because, hey, you know, one day, one day, Max, I'm going to have to start paying my own bills. You know <laughs> yeah. what I'm like I have a car note, <laughs> I right. got car insurance. Like nobody's going to remind you to pay your bills. So one day you're going to have to pay your bills, pay rent, pay water, pay your, you know what I mean? Nobody's going to remind you. You know what I'm saying? So you're going to have to start taking ownership. And so that's why I kind of did that too, because I got to go talk to counselors. Um, I got to learn how to build relationships. This is what I need. And hey, so it just kind of starts stimulating the creativity there to learn how to take care of stuff for themselves. I mean, it's just going to be a grind. I'm <laughs> just telling you. And so if you don't love it, uh, it's, it's, it, it, you will get exposed. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the High School Coaches Club. I'm your host, Max Price. If you're listening to this around its release date, the 2022 fall sports seasons are getting close to their regular season finales with playoffs looming. Whether you're in the hunt for a state championship with this year's team, you're still looking for your first win, or you're somewhere in between, just know that I appreciate you just for who you are, for the time you commit to helping young people in their journey to adulthood, and for investing in youth. We live in a strange time where it's both easy and common, very common, to blame the next generation for the nation's shortcomings. But you're out there every day in the trenches seeing the good in these young people, which often means helping them see the good in themselves. So thank you for the work you're doing. It makes a huge difference, even when it might not feel like it. And a huge thank you to Will Miner and the gang over at Netting Pros for sponsoring the High School Coaches Club. If you need any facility improvements, make Netting Pros your first call. Not only will they help you design it, but they'll do it all custom for you. From the fabrication to the installation, they've got you covered for netting, digital graphic wall padding, turf, turf protectors, cubbies, windscreens, ball carts, you name it. They crush the baseball and softball world on a daily basis, but they also get after it in football, soccer, lacrosse, track and field, golf courses, and just about any sport you can imagine. They're truly making facilities better all across America, providing high quality products and services for facilities, fields, courses, and stadiums throughout the country. Not only at the high school level, but for recreational, collegiate, and professional sports as well. You can contact them today by calling 844-620-2707, emailing info at nettingpros.com, visiting their website, also nettingpros.com, obviously, or by checking them out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. Netting Pros, they're improving programs one facility at a time. In this episode, I'm joined by Larry Hart, a former fifth-round NFL draft pick and current defensive coach for the University of Houston football program, Coach Hart recently published his first book, The Recruits Playbook, a four-year guide to college football recruitment for high school athletes that I think has the power to really help young people tackle the recruiting world, which, as we all know, can sometimes feel like a lonely, desolate place. While the book is certainly designed for football, the lessons can be applied to all athletes. And in this conversation, we dive into his own story, his highly unlikely entrance in the National Football League, his transition to coaching, and of course, the ins and outs of college recruitment. So let's do it. Let's dive in. It's episode 72 with Larry Hart. Coach Larry Hart, thanks for joining us on a bye week. Hey, Max. Uh, thank you so much for having me today, man. I'm, I'm excited about joining your podcast, man, and uh, chatting it up with you a little bit. Yeah, I'm glad you reached out. I uh, really enjoyed reading your book and I you know, just kind of learned a little bit about you, obviously, through it and uh, decided to kind of look you up. And I wanted to start the podcast out today by just seeing if you could remember this one play. And I think you will. I'm going to give you a date, December 26, 2010. So day after Christmas, Jacksonville, Washington, tied 17 apiece, fourth quarter. Uh, Rex Grossman drops back to pass, third and 10, 40 seconds left. What happens? Oh, man. Yeah, I got a, I got a sack. It was actually on, uh, <laughs> on on Trent Williams, too. So that's like my big time claim to fame there. Um, yeah, that was a big play, man. Very exciting for me to to have that memory. So, uh, man, it was awesome. Awesome experience. I actually remember the, the pass rush move I hit him with. Um, we call it an out-in-out or a bite step. So I hit him with a bite step, faked him inside, came back out, and flushed Rex out of the, uh, flushed Rex out of the pocket and uh, eventually got him down. <laughs> I couldn't find video of it. <laughs> it's, you know, nowadays, you can find a video on, like, just like think of baseball. I can find a video of just a random ball in, like, the middle of June. But uh, what was that moment like for you? You know, um, it was it was kind of uh, surreal. Everything kind of was moving slow for me. Um, 
So it was just kind of like uh, I sacked him. Then I'm kind of looking around, and everybody's excited. And then I see coaches like all fired up <laughs> and stuff. And I'm like, oh, yeah, let me get excited too. But it was kind of like a, a slow motion deal for me, man, and uh, uh, very exciting. So that's kind of a memory I'll always kind of carry, carry with myself. Well, and you wrote a book, The Recruit's Playbook, um, and just kind of reading through the book as I kind of think back to it and then think of you in that moment, it, when you, it, like, going back to your freshman year of, like, high school, was that ever a thought in your mind that someday you'd be playing in the NFL, sacking quarterbacks? Man, I, I tell you what, it, it was not. Not in my freshman year <laughs> of high school. Um, you know, for me, I was just kind of just going through uh, – I was just kind of going through life and just enjoying myself, man, at that particular time. Um, It it never really hit me until like, I want to say like the 11th grade in the 11th grade. I was like, uh, man, I want to, I want to play in the NFL. And I actually remember asking my coach in high school, I said, man, you know, uh, do you think I could play in the NFL? And at that time, I'm here. I am a six foot, well, probably like five eleven at that time. (laughs) defensive And he's probably like, yeah, but I appreciate him, like, actually kind of encouraged me. He didn't tell me no, but he didn't tell me yes. And so they kind of left a little window there for me to be like, yeah, I can do it. But, uh, man, um, back in high school, I, I never could could imagine that, um, that, that I'd actually be in the NFL sacking quarterbacks and have a uh, good career with football. What was your, like, high school athletic experience like? Was it only football? Did you play other sports? What, you know, coming in, were you a, a highly touted kid who people thought would be pretty good? Like, what was your high school experience like athletic-wise? Uh, no, I was uh, I was probably <laughs> – I, I probably went under the radar uh, quite a bit. Uh, so I played two sports in high school. I, I was a power lifter, and I was a football player. And I wish I would have played more sports, but those are the two sports that I um, – that I participated in and um, and actually in high school, I probably wasn't the, the best player on my team or wasn't recognized as the best player on my team. You know, it, it kind of took me a little bit to, to get in the swing of things um, high school wise and just kind of get comfortable. Um, and that's why in my book, I talk a little bit about in the recruits playbook, I talk about like the mental and emotional health and, and just really analyzing yourself. Cause it took me some time to kind of, um, really hone in on who I was as a person and as a player and build that confidence to go out there and say, Hey, you know what? I'm going to just turn loose and play and enjoy football. And that was kind of the trigger for me. But um, yeah, in, in high school, I participated in, in football and, and powerlifting and um, I was a really good powerlifter as well. I want to say in um, my junior or no, my senior year, I squatted 650 or 660 pounds, which I think that actually helped me develop and to, you know, as a defensive lineman, having powerful legs and powerful hips is is a key component. So, but yeah, those are the two sports I did uh, in, in high school there. Well, and I think anyone kind of listening is like, well, he played in the NFL. He must have obviously been a very highly recruited kid coming out of high school because and you, you touch on this quite a bit in the book of the idea of kind of the, the hilariousness of recruiting stars, right? He's a three-star linebacker or, a, you know, four-star defensive end. And really part of your book that you get at is just that idea that that really doesn't matter except for like selling articles because it's going to make a guy you know click on my website if I start pumping out rankings and stuff like that so not really recruited coming out of high school no doubt um yeah I was not highly recruited at all uh matter of fact I only had a half scholarship uh coming out of high school and that was to a junior college so um, I had a couple things working against me. Uh, I wasn't a qualifier. I was undersized. And I don't think my film was all that great. So um, I had to take a different path. And so um, I talk about that in the recruits playbook um, about once you get on campus anywhere. Uh, so everybody, you may have to take a different path to ultimately get to where you want to be. Everybody is not going to be a four or five star highly touted recruit going to Alabama, LSU, Clemson, Georgia. So you may have to take a little bit different path. Um, anyway, so for, for me, um, I had to take a, a, a little different route. Um, and so with that, uh, with that experience, um, I think I learned a lot of different lessons coming along with that, just being about, um, you know, one thing that I talk about in the recruits playbook is the, the ability to problem solve, uh, overcome adversity, um, 
always have a, a positive mindset, just different things like that to, to be able to uh, navigate through different circumstances that, that life kind of presents itself. Um, because there's always going to be different challenges and, and different um, paths that you may have to take. So, um, and I appreciate the the path that I had to take because I thought it, it taught me a lot and helped me grow into the into the man I am today. I think probably like a lot of people don't know a whole lot about junior college football except for maybe what they've seen on like Netflix, right? So, right. when you kind of reflect back on your junior college experience, like what kind of how would you kind of describe it to people who maybe don't know much about it? Um, well, here's the, the thing with junior college is first off is is going to be tough uh, for 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 a number of different reasons. Uh, Junior college is, is a challenge because typically for, for most junior colleges in say Mississippi, uh, Kansas, um, there's a couple up there in Iowa, for the most part, they're going to be in the middle of nowhere and mm-hmm. all there is is school and football. And so it, it's going to be tough. It's going to be challenging from a physical mental standpoint because you're just going to be bored every day. Um, so it, it takes, and it's going to be humbling too, but I thought the junior college process for me, it um, it helped me to to get more comfortable with who I was. Um, it wasn't a lot of distractions. All I had was school and football. And so for me, it actually helped me develop a little bit more as a person and a player from a toughness. And because there really there's from when I played junior college ball, man, we we had the old school two a day practices mm-hmm. where full padded and you were hitting the quarterback was live. I mean, it was uh, backyard ball. Um, essentially. And so for me, I mean, you come out to practice, you're, you're all beat up, your hands are beat up and you have to push through. It's hot. Um, you know, the coaches really don't call to you or anything like that. So you just have to develop a, a certain level of toughness. And so and, and to, to the uh, earlier point, too, is now, you know, we were talking about Max when talking about recruiting stars and all that stuff, man. Mm-hmm. It, when you when you show up on campus to any school, your stars or your recruiting stars does not matter anymore at that point. Uh, coaches will, will blow your head, not blow your head up, but they will say a lot of good stuff to get you to come there, come to the school. Right. And, but once you get on campus, man, it is all about what you do currently from that day one, essentially you start with a clean slate. Everybody starts with a clean slate, no matter if you're a three-star, two-star, four-star, whatever. Once you show up to, to that campus, it, it's all about what you do. Um, from from fall camp or, or uh, spring ball or whatever, it's all about what you put on tape at that point. Nobody, no coach is going to look back at your old high school tape and be like, "Man, he had really good high school tape, and let me bump him up to a starter." No sir. <laughs> yeah, no chance. It's no funny. Chance. I mean, it's for so many of the college experiences, like regardless of sport, too. Like it's not just football, right? You once you get to a college campus, like almost every guy who's there with you or girl or whatever, you know, whatever sport you're playing, they were one of the top, you know, two, three, four five players in their own high school. Right. So like everybody shows up and it's like, you were all good. It doesn't matter anymore. Right. It just, it means nothing now. That's correct. Yeah. It's, it's all about what you do uh, when you show up on campus and that's what coaches care about because um, yeah, it's, it's about what you put on film and you have to consistently put, put good stuff on film and uh, show that you're, that you're a uh, reliable player and that you can execute uh, the, from a mental and a physical standpoint of that, that uh, what you do in practice every day. And uh, that that's really what, what it's going to allow you to get on the field uh, for, for any college football team. When you kind of think about junior colleges, um, you know, one of the big goals of the junior college is obviously getting the player from, juco to a four-year you know that's ultimately one of the goals that each player probably has for themselves and so if you were kind of talking with some high school kids who were going to go the juco route and you were going to try to help them through the process of like picking the junior college that's right for them like what are some of the the main kind of check marks you'd be trying to help that kid understand that the college should probably have in order to help him reach a four-year university in the future yeah so if, if I'm counseling somebody that's thinking about taking a junior college route, um, first off, they, they need to understand what they're getting themselves into. And so when you go to the junior college route, it's, it's not going to be a lot of glitch and glamour uh, the, the cafeteria, from the cafeteria, the facilities. I wouldn't expect a whole lot. 
uh, going to a junior college. But what I would make sure to, to tell those guys is, for the most part, uh, junior colleges are the same until you kind of get out there in California. It's probably no scholarships. It's not, you know, I think California doesn't give out scholarships um, out there. So I would be looking more so towards uh, like Iowa Western. Uh, there's one up mm-hmm. in uh, Pennsylvania uh, that you can go to. There's some in Mississippi and there's some in Kansas. I think those guys offer scholarships. So I would be leaning towards those places that would give you a scholarship for, for the first part. But then from there, um, if you go to a junior college, man, you're, you're really going to have an opportunity. And so what I mean by that is if you take care of your grades and you go out there and you stay focused and um, that, you know, for, for junior college, if you go junior college, typically, you know, uh, you got to make sure that your grades are on point because you, you have to have like a, a 2.5 and you got to have certain classes like math, science and all that stuff for, for on a junior college transcript. But work hard, take care of your grades. Um, and then when you get an opportunity to get out there on the field, uh, if you got the academics and you, you're, you've shown to be a good person because the coaches are going to talk to your junior college coaches to make sure that you're, uh, that you're a good person, that you check the boxes, all that stuff. And then, obviously, what you put on tape. So those are probably the, the three main components of what I would be advising uh, young men that are going to take the junior college route. And then it can be a little bit more of a challenge from a mental standpoint standpoint because you're going to have a lot of time on your hands and uh the downtime at junior college is not is not a lot going on there so it seems that kids have a tendency to get themselves into trouble because they get bored uh at junior colleges so that's one key component there too is just being able to stay focused on why you went there in in the beginning and and you ended up going to holmes community college in in mississippi and then ultimately you end up at uh, at, at Central Arkansas, when you got to Central Arkansas, um, what was that like coming in? Because obviously, there's going to be a lot of guys who've been there since their freshman year. They've been they've been recruited to go there from out of high school, and then kind of coming in. I don't know if outsider is the right word because transfers are so uh, they happen all the time now. But you're coming in as a kind of a new guy coming onto campus. What was that kind of transition like for you personally? Uh, for me, it was great because uh, for a couple different reasons, man, the coaches wanted me there. Uh, I enjoyed the coaches. I thought they were really good people. Uh, it was a good fit for me. And this I talked about this in the recruits playbook as well. Like when you go to FCS schools, a lot of times they don't have as much depth as uh, major FBS or power five schools. So the opportunity, you know, when I when I came at UCA, uh, the coaches were great, first off. And then secondly, um, I mean, I was number two on the depth chart uh, coming in because there's just not a lot of depth. And so after our first padded practices, I, I bumped up to the number one uh, on the depth chart. So the opportunity, a lot of times when you go to to, to FCS or Division Two or some of those schools, man, the opportunity to play is going to be um, – it's going to be uh, a lot of a lot of times. It's going to be more of an opportunity to get on the field quicker because there's not a lot of depth there at, at those schools. So the experience for me, man, uh, the, the transition was was pretty smooth for the most part um, at uh, Central Arkansas. So then, obviously, you you put together some good years there, and you uh, on draft day in 2010 end up being a fifth round pick, selection of the the Jacksonville Jaguars. What was that moment like for you, uh, for your family, just for people who had invested in you to to hear your name called on, on an NFL draft? Uh, I mean, it, it was it was really special because of um, the path that I had to take to get there, mm-hmm. and the the adversity that I had to overcome. And I talk about this in the recruits playbook as well. Just from uh, you know, everybody has situations and circumstances that they have to deal with and things that they have to overcome. And I, I think that really in the recruits playbook, if I want anybody to get anything out of it, and it's the it's the ability to to overcome stuff and overcome adversity to problem solve and when life gives you something to freaking overcome it. And so I think a, a combination of all the things that I dealt with from struggling in school to being undersized, not being highly recruited, um, and then to hear your name called on um on draft day, I mean, it's, it, it makes it it's special. And so, and I guess, you know, for me now, I'm just trying to 
through the recruits playbook and other things that I'm trying to do is just pass that information along to, to, to other people that uh, you you can be somebody special. You can do things special with your life. And so and I'm just trying to share that um, with with uh, a lot of different people and high school athletes, man, that uh, you may feel like you're down and out or you may feel like you have some tough situational circumstances, but you can overcome it and you can go do something special with your life. So just hearing my name call on draft day uh, was was very special for me and it was very special for my family. Yeah, I can only imagine. So, you know, you go to you're in high school, not really sure if you're uh, even, you know, kind of quality level of player to ever play in the NFL. You go to Juco, then you end up FCS school, then you end up getting drafted. Uh, we talked through, you know, uh, getting through Trent Williams and, and Sack and Rex Grossman and all that good stuff. And um, ultimately, you end up coaching, right? Arkansas State, home, Central Arkansas, University of South Alabama. Um now you're at the University of Houston working as a, a defensive assistant. Um, and I just obviously there was the big game against Memphis where you all overcame like a 19 point deficit or something insane like that. Um, and then just kind of looking through your scores, you have been in some absolute nail biter games so far this year. Uh, how you doing? <laughs> Man, I'm, I'm doing really well. I mean, yeah. obviously, we wish we would have won some of those games, but it this has been. Uh, one of the craziest uh, college football seasons I've ever been a part of. I mean, absolutely crazy. So, obviously, the game versus Kansas didn't go go as we planned or as we hoped. But the five of our six games, three of them went into overtime, and then the two of two of the five, uh, two of the six games went down to the last possession. I mean, it has been absolutely crazy. I mean, the Texas Tech game, we're sitting there. We're up by a touchdown, and it's fourth and 20. So if we stop them there, we win the game, and they end up converting on the fourth and 20. I'm like, golly. And then, <laughs> you know, Tulane, the Tulane game was crazy, too. We're, we're And that was on a Friday night. We're up uh, 21-14. I mean, it's like a minute and a half to go in the game. And uh, the, the third-string quarterback throws some crazy balls and completes a couple balls on us, and they convert on the fourth down to going to overtime. And then eventually, you know, um, you know, we won that particular game. But, I mean, we we lost that game there in overtime, too. It's just been a crazy, crazy ride. And then to come back, uh, Memphis, we're down 19 points, like in the fourth quarter or something mm-hmm. like that. And we come back and, and win that game and get an onside kick. And, I mean, it's just – it's been a, a uh, quite a ride, man. But I guess that's that's what you love about college football. I, I tell you, I, I so I'm a huge into baseball. I'm a baseball coach. I, I live and die for baseball. But um, if if I've said this before, if there was ever uh, someone asking me, "Hey, you've got you've got one sport, you got two hours to sit down and watch something. Where are you going to watch?" It's college football, and it's not even close. Uh, it's just from a from an entertainment standpoint, it is the absolute best sport in the world. The the kind of the weekly opportunity for like huge upsets is fantastic. You get like new stars being born every day. Um, what's it like getting to, I know you, you played in it, but it's, it's gotta be different as a coach. Oh, hundred um, percent. Coaching is, is so different uh, from playing. Um, it, it's, it's it, first of all, just for me, man, I love being a part of football. I, I love everything that it entails. The, the, like you have to be disciplined, you got to be tough, uh, you got to, to problem solve. I mean, it's it's I, I love everything about it. But the coaching aspect of it is is significantly different from playing because as a player, um, you know, you you ha- you're you basically you're doing what you're told every day. You know, you have a set schedule. People tell you where you're supposed to be, and you do this, this, and and the third. Now, obviously, the being a player ha- has its challenges, but that, but as a coach. You always have to to kind of stay ahead of the curve. You have to be thoughtful and uh, about okay, what's what do the players need here, and what do they need there? How can we be, be better here? How can we? Um, you just always on. You're, you're always on, so to speak. And then you also have recruiting too. So you have to be building relationships with recruits. You have to be thinking about how can I improve the the players and what can I do here to be better. And then you got game planning for your opponents. So uh, then you have uh, practice preparation. Uh, so it's just, and you look up, then 14 hours went by, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So it's just, it's, it's just different, man. Um, and, and I love it, man. I love the, the, 
that everything that that coaching and and then football and what it uh, entails. So you're the author of the Recruits Playbook, a four year guide to college football recruitment for high school athletes. I got to think that your path from we've kind of already talked through it, but I got to think your path lent itself really well for you to be able to write this book just through all the experiences you had as a player. Uh, obviously in high school, Juco, uh, then ultimately playing at a four year, ultimately in the NFL, and then to go back and coach at all those kind of levels again, I think probably lends itself really well to being able to write this book and have credibility in doing it. It'd be one thing if like, you know, just a five-star recruit who went to LSU and was a first round draft pick wrote this book. It wouldn't be, I don't know that it'd be authentic because I don't think they would have lived that experience. When did the idea for this book kind of materialize in your head? Well, I'll I tell you this, Max. Um, for for me, it, it was crazy because early on, and for, for whatever reason, man, I've always been a, a, a person that was a big dreamer and wanted to do things um, kind of. I always wanted to operate outside the box, so to speak. And I remember early, uh, I may have been uh, 15, 16 years old, and I was like, you know what? I want to write a book one day. And seriously, and I thought about that. And so, and I remember growing up, I would have a journal that I would write my thoughts down in and just kind of write about what was going on in my life at that particular time. And then um, as I went through, you know, football and coaching and uh, playing, and um, when I was at the University of South Alabama, um, I was recruiting a, um, uh, at the time I was recruiting a, a, a walk-on to South Alabama. And anyway, um, he, I, I ended up coaching this guy too. He was um, an outside linebacker and I became good friends with him and his family. And I was over his, his family's house one day and um, the, the, uh, the player's dad, me and him was sitting down talking. He, he just mentioned, he said, you know what, man, if somebody will write a book on the recruiting process, I bet you for, for, um, for high school student athletes, I bet that book would do really, really well. And so the idea, he he shot that idea out and it just kind of stuck with me. And so I was like, you know what, I'm going I'm to do that. And then my wife is an English teacher. And so she was very helpful uh, to me in the process, too. And so what I did was I kind of framed the book and how I wanted to flow and then broke it down by chapters. And I just started writing, writing things down. And uh, my wife did a tremendous job of helping me edit the book. And it just kind of went from there. And then. Uh, we start reaching out to different publishers and reaching out to, to literary agents. And we started to get some hits back and it just kind of went from there and it just kind of started snowballing. And, um, and man, it was a, it was a great experience. Well, like your wife, I'm also an English teacher and I'm, I'm in, in high schools and uh, we spend the first 10, 15 minutes each class period reading from our own books. And so I, in preparation for us having this discussion, I, I think I mentioned this to you, I, I read your book and uh, mm-hmm. I have quite a few football players in my classes and it actually ended up spurning a, a handful of different conversations where kids football players say, Hey, what, what is that book? Why are you reading that? Cause you know, I coach baseball like, what, what, to kind of yeah. get into it with them and then walk them through some stuff. And um, there's just a lot of good stuff in the book and it's, it's short, which I think lends itself really well to a high school kid picking it up and reading it. I think right. it's also short, which lends itself really well to a high school kid's parent picking it up and reading it with him. Right. And it's, Absolutely. it's to the point, it's not filled with a bunch of fluff because so often when you read books that coaches write, it ends up being a lot of, of just nonsense and you're like okay let's but let's get to the point here right and it's it's super digestible there's like different checkpoints and and things like that it just like it, it flows really well and it works really well and I think it is something that a lot of high school kids could easily digest read and use to get themselves wherever it is they want to go yeah um I, I totally agree and um that's that's why you know writing the recruits playbook, that's kind of, I, you know, I know the players that I deal with and I remember myself back in high school, I know that it had to be something to where it was simple to the point that it could be easily uh, understood and, and relatable and just trying to hit it right there to the point to where um, kids could get the information and get what they needed. And I mean, that's kind of my approach into coaching philosophy too, is just right there to the point, easy, understood, simple, and, um, you know, to where you can execute it at a high level. So 
I just all of my experiences, man, and, and what I would want to tell my kid, I tried to if I had a son, that's what I would want him to know. And I tried to put that in the book. And um, and I think it's just a great resource for for parents and, and, and high school student athletes and um, people that are thinking about getting that that want to play college football. I mean, I think it's just such a great resource for for those individuals to, to utilize. And uh, for me, you know, I knew that through all of my experience, I'm like, man, if I would have had this information um, while I was in high school, I, I really do think that I could have, you know, I, I'm very blessed, obviously, where I am now. But I do think that if I had that information in that book while I was in high school, man, I, I think that uh, I could, you know, I, I would be so much further ahead than where I am now, so to speak. One of the things you wrote in there was that uh, you said, quote, the truth is you can somewhat fake it in high school where your talent and peer pressure can carry you, but you've got to love the game to be successful at the next level of play. And right. so you kind of then pose the question to the reader, which you know would be a high school kid, and you ask him, you say, do you love football or do your parents love it for you? <laughs> and I think that is just I, – I, I've heard <laughs> – questions posed like that before but i think that is a question that high school coaches college coaches everybody should ask when a kid comes to them with stuff like this because you're you're not wrong talent and peer pressure like there's so many kids that play high school sports that are just really purely talented and they do it just because their friends do it and it's like if you really get them down to it you're like hey man do you well no i don't really love this i just kind of do it because it's what i do <laughs> and it's like, but to play in college you've got to love it it's w without a shadow of a doubt um, because it is going, and, and I'm not trying to scare anybody off Max, but sure, the reality, no. the, the reality is that college football is very demanding and it is only getting more demanding. I mean, you're not, I mean, it's, it's becoming as, as year round as possible now. I mean, for, from August till what December you're, you're going to be, you're, you're locked down and you, you know, all that time is gone from August till December. And then you turn around, uh, you're going to come back in January where uh, you're going to start kind of your off-season workouts in January. And then somewhere between late January and February, you're going to start your 6 a.m. workouts. Yeah. And that's where you kind of your team building and all that stuff. And then you're going to roll right into spring football. And then after spring football, you're going to get a little bit of a break. And then you're going to roll right into your summer workouts, which is a grind. Right. And then from there, after your summer, you may get like a week off and then you're going right into uh, fall camp from August back to December. So really for for college athletes, man, you probably got four or five weeks off um, a year at this point. Right. So you're going to miss a lot of the people going out to, to parties and people going out to different all this different stuff, vacationing during the summer. Their parents are going, man. Me and my parents, we're going to uh, Jamaica on a cruise, and you're going to be running these doggone gassers from sideline to sideline. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it is going to be a grind, mentally and physically. So, you know, you're going to be dead tired, and then you got a paper that's due in three days. So, mm -hmm. I mean, it's going to be a challenge. Um, and coaches, uh, for, for college coaches, you know, it's not all, hey, man, you know, we got your – you know, no, man, college coaches are like, you got to get this done. And it, we're going to be all on top of you, you know, helping you develop. I mean, that's, you know, college coaches, you know, we are going to kind of be the reality check for, for a lot of young men. You know, uh, Twitter, Facebook or Instagram and Snapchat can't help you, man. You got to go do the work, you know. <laughs> so we kind of represent uh, we're trying to help guys develop into being men. Uh, for the most part. So we're going to tell you the truth and um, it's, it's not all, it's going to be tough love. We're going to have constructive criticism, but we're also going to build you back up, but it's going to be, it's going to be a lot for guys to, to time manage and um, it's going to be difficult. So if you don't have love for the game, uh, it's, it's going to show in a lot of different ways. So, and that's where sometimes you run into guys, man, in, in which, you know, college coaches we wear a lot of hats but you'll run into guys who starts to kind of struggle or to get homesick and uh the grades may slip and so we got to do a good job of picking those guys back up but a lot of it man if you don't really love it um you you'll 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 find yourself uh kind of uh in a difficult space if you really don't love college football 
uh, or if you don't love football in general. And that's at any level, because once you start putting the pads on and all the running, I mean, I'm seeing guys, I mean, Max, I mean, you, we, we practice, um, you know, Houston, I mean, it gets like 100 degrees here in August. Man, yeah. And you got pads on. That's what I mean. You got uh, mm-hmm. shoulder pads, helmets. And I mean, and you've got 20 practices to go for your first game. I mean, it's just going to be a grind. <laughs> I'm just telling you. And so if you don't love it, uh, it's it's it, it, you will get exposed. Well, that's one of the things that comes up with a lot of high school kids, um, which, you know, obviously is where I, I spend my time is we'll have um, off-season workouts. So they're certainly not required or, or mandatory in any sense of the word, but um, we'll have guys sometimes who miss and, you know, I'll start talking to them and they're, they're guys who want to play college baseball. And, but, well, you know, I had, a, I had a big paper I needed to get done. And using my follow-up with that as well, what do you think is going to happen in college? Is your college coach going to be like, oh, yeah, bro, it's fine. You take you take this practice off so that you can go write that paper. It's like, well, no, that's not going to happen. So in, enjoy it for right now, but let's try to start finding ways in high school where you can manage your time in a way where you can start replicating some of that stuff you're going to see in college because when you get to college, I mean, you know, it's it's the real deal. There's There's a lot to be done. Even yeah, if no, you're not a, even if you're not an athlete, and then you add being an athlete on top of that, and good luck. Yeah, no doubt, Max. And the first, if if you were to, if I'm a college recruiter and you were to tell me that about a player and they they're missing uh, workouts because oh I have to write a paper right there, that is a big red flag for me if I ever yeah. did that. And I'm not saying that I won't recruit the kid, but man, that that's a red flag there because uh, the first thing I'm thinking like that's that's an excuse and. Um, I, I, yeah, that's that's not good because either get up earlier or uh, put the video games down. Like you have some time to write that paper, uh, other than missing a workout. So that's to me. If if I hear that as a recruiter, man, that's that's something that um, is is not going to be good, right? Because yeah, I mean, that's the life of a student athlete. You you got to find a way. Yeah, well, and and one of the things in the recruits playbook that you put in there that I, I gotta be honest, I don't know how many high school kids know this and it's that NCAA eligibility is based off of your core class GPA. So it's not going to be like what you did in an art class. It's not going to be right. So it's like, what did you do in your core classes? And if you don't meet that requirement, like you're not eligible uh, to be an NCAA recruit. 100%. Yeah. So yeah, basket weaving and um, <laughs> yeah, darts, <or> whatever. <laughs> that's not going. That's not uh, going to be calculated. The NCAA is going to look at your uh, sixteen core classes: math, science, history, uh, what reading, uh, and Spanish. Something. Like, yeah, they're they're going to look at those classes like that, and uh, they're going to take uh, sixteen of those classes, and you have to have. 12 locked in by your junior year. So they're going to look at those 16 classes from your ninth grade, 10th, 11th, and 12th grade. Um, they're going they're going to look at those classes and they're going to base your GPA off of that. And um, if you don't meet, uh, I know for football, for FBS, it's 2.3. So if you don't have a 2.3 core GPA out of those 16 core classes, you will not be eligible. And you have to have 16 core classes. And so... Uh, and, and what's a, a, a red flag too is you have to those core classes should be matched up with the 48H form for for each high school, right? So uh, yeah, it's some details uh, in there, and for the most part, most counselors will will put you in those classes. But uh, you know, I actually ran up ran on ran up on a recruit before that his ninth grade year um, because I think he struggled in eighth grade or something. In his ninth grade year, the counselor put him in a math class that was not on the 48 H form. So mm. he was short one core class. So you know, have, he only had 15 core classes um, like coming into his uh, a senior year or something like that. And I was looking at the transcript and I said, well, uh, man, you're going to have to figure out something to be able to take another core class because this math class is actually not going to count uh, or the NCAA is not going to look at it because it's not on the 48 H form. So it's little details like that that uh, kids need to make sure that they're aware of and how important. I know you don't like geometry. I I, I didn't like geometry either. But you, if you're in geometry, you better take care of that class for sure. 
And yeah, so, that happens a lot. Like I, I don't, I hated all my math classes, but like if you ask the math kids in the math class, like how many of you like math? Like hardly anyone's going to raise their hand anyway. But it's like, dude, you're here. You got to take care of it. Hundred percent. And here's here's the other thing too, uh, Max, where where kids have to understand is um, the the core GPA, the minimal requirement is two point three, right? So if you make all C's, that's a that's a two point oh. Okay. Mm-hmm. So somewhere along the line, you got to make a B or A or something. Okay. So if you make um, if you make two C's, you got to you better be trying to make two B's. Okay. To to get that thing balanced out. So. Uh, all C's is a 2.0 and you're going to have to mix in some B's and A's in those core classes. So if you don't like math and, and you, you love history, well, you better try to get an A, a in history so you can get that uh, to balance out that C in math or potentially a D in math to try to balance that thing out. Well, I think that's one of the cool things in your book is that you have like you have plenty of chapters with uh, just knowledge gaining. Here's different things you should do, get recruited, all this. But then also you later in the book, you break it down by grade and it's okay. you're a ninth grader. Uh, Here's what you need to do as a ninth grader. Okay, ninth grade year's ending. You need to go meet with your counselor, make an appointment, go meet with them and just check. Like, here's what we've done. Let's make sure everything's good. Do we need to do summer school stuff? No, great. And it's like 10th grade year. Same thing. You've got the checklist. You've got, here's what you need to do. End of the year. Hey, meet with your counselor. Let's check through things. Do I need to do summer school stuff? And I think that just kind of constant checking with your counselor is such a good reminder for kids because I think a lot of, a lot of guys leave high school and they, they probably couldn't even pick their counselor out of a lineup. <laughs> right. And, and and here's a here's a, a a nugget here too, Max. And and really and why I put that in the book too was because I wanted guys to to learn how to start talking to people and learning how to take ownership of of their their life too, because that's really um that's your transcript. You know what I mean? That's your resume, that's you. So you're trying to make sure that you have what you need to be successful because oftentimes like guys, I mean, you know, high school kids and college kids, man, they just kind of float through stuff. And I'm like, dude, like you need to pull up your academic calendar, know when things are due, know what you need, uh, because these are tools that you're going to have to need uh, for when you get out of college. Right. So you're trying to start that process of getting guys to think and to uh to to like hey this is what i need to just take ownership of their own particular life because hey you know one day one day max i'm gonna have to start paying my own bills (laughs) yeah like i have a car insurance like nobody's gonna remind you to pay your bills so one day you're gonna have to pay your bills pay rent pay water pay your you know what i mean nobody's gonna remind you you know what I'm saying? So that's right. you're going to have to start taking ownership. And so that's why I kind of did that, too, because that's going to help guys learn how to I got to go talk to counselors. Um, I got to learn how to build relationships. Um, this is what I need. And hey, so it just kind of starts stimulating the creativity there to, to learn how to take care of stuff for themselves. One of the scary things when I was reading through your book um, is when you get to the kind of the 12th grade year in those in those four chapters where you're breaking it down by year and just realizing, you know, in football, you're going to play in the fall, obviously. So your 12th grade year, there's not a lot to be done in terms of recruiting if you haven't put in you know the work beforehand like it's it's really late to get into the game as a senior because you've got to build your film you got to do all this sort of stuff so uh, again just kind of hitting on the note of like the the checklist year by year is is also extra important because by the time you get to your senior year for football that's really tough you know from the baseball world you don't play till you till the spring so you've got a long time still in the year to contact coaches and work through camps and go through all that stuff but Football is in the fall, and for a lot of uh, programs, like you mentioned in in the book, they you'll early enroll in the spring, and so it's just it's it's kind of scary when you look at it and you're like, man, yeah. if if you're a senior and you haven't been doing these things up until your senior year, it's not impossible, but that's going to be really hard for you. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, uh, because especially you know the the recruiting has changed a little bit, so there there are two signing periods now. And it hasn't always been that way. But with that early signing period uh, in December, uh, for the most part, a lot of coaches want to be done with. So we're on the 2023 class right now. So 
a lot of coaches want to be primarily done with the 2023 class in December. So you want majority of your class done, wrapped up with yeah. in December. And so you may leave a couple spots open just in case, um, you know, for a, a big time transfer or something like that, or a couple, you may leave a couple spots open just to give yourself some wiggle room in case somebody decides to transfer that you need, need to fill a hole. But for the most part, you want uh, everything to be done uh, in that December signing day. And so what that means for high school student athletes, yeah, I mean, going into your 12th grade year, uh, if you really haven't been that busy, it's going to be a little bit more difficult. It's not impossible, but uh, you, you, you're going to have to start getting on it and just do a great job of sending your film out and getting your coaches to reach out to people and just persistence, you know. Um, you know, so, it, you know, what I would tell a guy that's in that uh, predicament I mean, follow as many coaches as you can and recruiting coordinators as you can and send out your film and just be extremely persistent and keep bugging people um, until somebody watches your film. So what, what kind of happens is a lot of times, man, if you are a guy that kind of started late and you get one coach to, to like you and they start. So you send out 200 messages and you get one coach to like you and they watch your film and they decide to send you an offer, then that's kind of where you can get a little buzz going for yourself and, and potentially get yourself in, in a position to get recruited. Well, that's something that social media has done that obviously between the time that you played and the time that you are now coaching at University of Houston, that has, has completely changed the way that recruiting can be done because in the past it used to be this, there's this thought of like, well, you know, if they don't come find me, they'll never find me sort of a thing. But now you have at your fingertips, just Twitter alone, like you can, like you're saying, you can reach out to pretty much everybody and get your film out to every single person that's out there recruiting. And it'll be in their inbox or, you know, if you tag them or whatever, like they'll have it immediately. And it, if it's a short clip, they can watch it real quick. And then, like you said, you, you get an offer, you post the offer, and now all of a sudden they're looking at you, he's got an offer, we better, it just, it has right. totally changed the way that recruiting can be done, and just the the power now that student athletes have at their fingertips is, is just insane. Yeah, no doubt, I, I totally agree with you, Max. Um, I think that social media is great, and I think that kids should absolutely utilize social media to, to the, to the for for the resource that it is i do think that you have to also be careful because coaches will look at your twitter and mm -hmm. who, who, what are you liking and who are you following i mean it's just it is some suspect stuff that's on social media so i would not be re retweeting uh people fighting or um you, you know i wouldn't be retweeting certain things on twitter that could be a negative look on you because that is uh, if you retweet something or if you like something, I mean, it could come back and haunt you. So, but however, like what you're saying is that it can be a great tool too. It's just that you have to use it in the correct way. So it also, you know, um, what I would tell kids too, with your social media, make sure that, um, you have your, your huddle film, easy, accessible, um, make sure that you, uh, I, I will put videos on, on my Twitter of myself working out or clips from a game, just as much stuff that, that can portray you in a positive light and just utilizing it, um, uh, for the resource that it is, but just be careful about who you interact with on social media, because that can be, we, I have seen coaches where we have, um, we went to somebody's Twitter page and they, um, you know, they're re retweeting some stuff that shouldn't be retweeted. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we stopped recruiting that particular individual. And part of your book gets into that. And you get down to even the nitty gritty details of like, here's what you should put into your Twitter bio. And here's what you should make, you know, if each year again, you have like the reminder, hey, go back in, change it. Like you might be taller now, you might weigh more now. Like these, these are things to keep updating and have in your bio. Um, what are other ways in the book that you talk about it in terms of how recruits can kind of separate themselves uh, from others yeah I would uh, you know I would utilize the the summer camps so um, I, I would go you know there is a uh, I, I tell you this this is a story too there is a uh, I think is a receiver that actually plays with Mississippi State now he was actually a walk-on if I'm not mistaken at Holmes Community College back at my alma mater I think his name is uh, Caleb Ducking, I think is his name. And he he walked on at uh, Holmes Community College. 
and went there to a summer workout, ended up getting a scholarship, and uh, the rest is history. Now he's at Mississippi State, and I think he's currently playing and doing well. So if I was, a, what I would recommend is kids utilizing going physically to uh, camps during the summer and meeting coaches, shaking hands, and just um, and going to as many as you physically feel that you can. Uh, and that way, you're not just sending film to somebody. You're not just sending a resume, but you're putting a face with a name and uh, you're, you're meeting coaches and th- those guys are really getting, getting a good feel of who you are in terms of can he take coaching, uh, can I yell at him, and, you know, he not getting his feelings, and uh, does is he the first person in line, is he working hard going through the drills, and so I think that's a great way of separating your, yourself too, and then uh, obviously just making sure that uh, your, your transcripts and all that stuff are on point, but I think that is as much as you can go, and prior to probably the summer too would be a good idea to um, – go like go to college campuses and actually visit during the spring too to where you can meet coaches right i mean that would be a good one and then go in the spring and then go back in the summer to uh physically go work out during the summer i think those are good ways to kind of put a face with a name with coaches and they'll they'll always kind of remember oh that was the guy that that came up yeah yeah i remember having a good conversation with him so that kind of puts you on the radar because there are so many uh, kids and names that you evaluate uh, as a coach. So um, I think those are two ways that can can potentially help you get a leg up on the on the competition. So it just takes really extra effort. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's one of the things that I liked in your book. I, from the from in the baseball world right now, like it, there's this kind of showcase environment where I see a lot of players in our program even doing it, where their their families pay like hordes of cash like un like unreasonable amounts of money to go to all these showcases and a lot of times the kid doesn't really have a showcaseable skill yet you know what i mean like they're like they're going to go to showcase and they're going to be done and they're not going to be among the top in any like statistical or data category in the showcase and they're they're just kind of it's like they're just paying all this money and they're not really getting anything from it. And so one of the things in your book that I just, as I was reading, I found like super refreshing was like, here's some things you can do off the field to actually get better. And it, they don't cost you anything. So you talk about like going on YouTube and looking up drills that you can do to improve. You talk about watching film from like a, uh, like a coach's perspective in terms of what, what's happening there. You could, you talk about sitting down with your high school coach and watching film and asking him what he sees and what he thinks um, what else? It's talked about uh, taking care of your body and like learning nutrition and things like this. So, part of the things that I really enjoyed about your book was just this idea of there's so much you can do that doesn't actually involve paying a single dime. Oh man, I know, right, Max? I mean, so people, if if you would just utilize the resources that that don't really cost you anything or that you're already paying for. So if you're paying for uh, a cell phone bill, man, and, and you got internet connection on your cell phone, dude, pull up YouTube. I mean, they're like uh, Brent Venerables had some his drill tape on YouTube, right? So he's a head coach at Oklahoma. Why, and he put some stuff, man, I downloaded that. I pulled <laughs> up that thing and I'm looking at these drills and I started using some of those drills myself. I'm like, man, this is good stuff. I mean, there are, um, there are coaches from Alabama talking about some coverage stuff. And I'm like, man, this, and I think he's a, I forgot his name, man, but I think he's the DB's coach for the Minnesota Vikings or something like that now. And I'm like, this dude is put, putting on some good stuff, and I'm learning some stuff, <laughs> right? I mean, there's some quality people on this thing, and they got this information on YouTube, and it's freaking free. Or, man, like, um, you know, if, if I'm a baseball player, Max, and I'm like, let me go sit down and go in Coach Price's office, and Coach Price, give me some drills that I can practice on by myself, and let me talk to you. And some of the guys that's on your staff, I mean, just or the the strength training and all that stuff like you guys are, are qualified. So let me go sit down, talk to Max and get some information and utilize all that stuff before I go spend uh, all this money. Um, I, I mean, it's just so many different ways that you can utilize uh, without spending a, a bunch of money. And so in college, and I'm sure it may be the same for baseball or I know um, parents spend money on uh, recruiting services. Right. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm like, dude, don't do that. Freaking get on Twitter, find these coaches' email, follow them, and and uh, 
quote tweet them and all that stuff and just keep sending it out. Dude, I have so many kids that do that to me. And after about the, the fifth time, I'm like, all right, let me look at this guy. Because he's getting on my nerves <laughs> yeah, right. right? Yeah, well, there's something about that persistence. You talked about it earlier. Like, if, if someone's being that persistent, like, all right, fine. I'll watch your video. Yeah, I'll tell you, man. Um, I heard a, a buddy of mine say that. It's, it's something about the, the law of persistence, man. If people just utilize that law of persistence, meaning that if you just keep, uh, and I say it in, in my book, too. I use the quote, effort over time equals success so if you just keep keep chopping wood if you keep being persistent after a while man in some form or fashion you're you're going to be successful now i'm obviously i'm not guaranteeing that everybody's going to be an nfl hall of famer or go to the nfl but if you keep being persistent in some form or fashion you you will be successful right and um and you can utilize uh, a lot of different ways to be successful without spending a bunch of money either so well, that's like one of the, I, I wrote this quote down that was in your book because I loved it so much and it, you just kind of hit on it almost. You said, quote, often in life, it's not the smartest people who make it. Instead, it's those who refuse to quit. And it just, when I read that, I was like, yeah, that's right. Because it, you can think of so many people uh, who, no offense to them, but you, you look at them, you're like, man, this person's so much dumber than me, or right? Like this, there's no chance. <laughs> and, and yet, you know, they're reaching tons of success in whatever it is that they're doing. It's like, it's, it's so true. It's, it's those who are like willing to persevere through everything and just not quit. They're, it's almost never like the smartest person who's making it. No doubt. And I, um, I, I I'm not going to call myself dumb, but I will say that I'm smart enough to, to stay persistent. And yeah. I think it's, <laughs> that is such a, a key component is um, just just not giving up because what, what happens, Max, is when you don't give up um, and you don't waste experiences. So if, if you go through three things, if, if you bump your head, okay, I bumped my head. I'm not going to do that again because or that hurt. I'm not going to put my hand on this hot stove again. I'm learning something, right? I'm not just going to keep putting my hand on this hot stove. I'm going to learn something. And so I think that when you don't waste experience and you experiences and you keep learning and you keep growing. So oftentimes is when people experience failure or adversity, they have a tendency to feel bad or they want to get down. Like, no, feel bad for a second, but learn from it. And you just kind of, you use the the stumbling blocks as stepping stones, right? So you just kind of keep growing and learning from those experiences. And then what you'll learn about yourself is you, you will continue to get tougher as an individual, like you'll get tougher, you'll get a little bit more wiser, you'll get a little bit, uh, just, you'll just learn from those experiences and then you'll just kind of keep growing, right? And so I think from that standpoint of just being persistent and overcoming stuff and just learning from those experiences, man, um, and being that individual, and next thing you know, people will be like, man, I thought that guy, um, man, I could have sworn that I thought that guy was voted least likely to succeed in high school and here he is this joker just would not give up you know and i i say it oftentimes in football man it is hard to be the individual that will not give up right and i, I think that is just such a, a a key component to being successful in sports and also being successful in life well kind of reminds me that i i I'm trying to remember the author and I can't is John Elliott, I think was his name. Anyway, he wrote a book called overachievement. I don't even know if anyone read it except for me, such a random book, but in the book he was talking about, um, plan B and how so many people create a plan B for themselves and it prevents them from fully committing to their plan a and just listening to you talk. It reminded me of kind of earlier in our conversation, you, you said that you went to your high school coach when you were in high school and you, you kind of said like, Hey, I, you know, do you think I have a chance of playing in the NFL? And that, that guy could have at that time said, no, you don't. And if he does that as a you know person who's in this kind of position of somewhat of a position of authority over you, um, that could have changed the trajectory of your life. Uh, who knows what that would have done to you or, or yeah. if it would have pushed you further, like who, nobody knows, but it could have totally changed things for you. And so um, I think there's something to be said about um, from a coaching standpoint of being honest, you talk about that, but also at the same time, teaching kids to persevere and overcome and commit themselves because 
who knows, you might be the, the freshman in high school like Larry Hart, who probably wasn't on anybody's NFL radar, who ends up playing in the NFL and now has found his path coaching and helping helping kids get recruited and learn learn how things are done in the recruiting game. Yeah, no doubt, man. Um, I think that uh, and that's and that's why I got into coaching, because coaching is you, you have such a um, unique opportunity to to speak in a kid's life lives and uh, i think that the opportunity to impact kids are is um such a unique experience for me and that's what i absolutely love because coaches have done that for me it's where they've spoken into my life and had a, a positive impact on me so for me i'm just trying to pass that right right back along to players and that's part of the reason why i decided to write the recruits playbook is because i wanted to potentially give back i don't know how many people it will impact uh max but i do believe man if i can just get a couple kids to potentially uh encourage them and to give them some knowledge that i didn't have i mean i think that's what it's all about at the end of the day is uh yeah you be i'm i'm always going to be honest with kids but um i'm never going to uh tear down a kid either um you know so i think that's a um i think that coaches hold such an important role in and really in society, man, just in general. But uh, I think it's um, the coaches, man, you just got to do a really good job of being positive and, and also uh, holding kids accountable and all that good stuff. Before we get out of here, I wanted to make sure we we hit on the transfer portal because you you have a spot in it in in your book in the recruits playbook, and I think it's important for people to understand kind of the bigger picture of how. Um, how do I say? I mean, like how the recruiting game has changed for high school kids because of the transfer portal. Can you kind of speak on that? Yeah, um, I think now uh, again, the, it seems like now the the expectations to win at, at the college level are are only going up, right? You're you're seeing guys get get let go left and right, and so mm-hmm. now coaches feeling that pressure I do think with the transfer portal in place guys are looking to improve their team uh fairly quickly so it and that lends itself to lean more towards the transfer portal and uh and transfers at times so I think that kind of limits the spots what uh coaches will take from the high school level because typically uh when you bring in a high school kid they're just not ready to play that first year and so and coaches may be like feeling the pressure to win right away. So sometimes, you know, it's just kind of uh, a, it can be a challenge for coaches because you're like, hey, we got to win. And this high school kid, he's a great player and probably be a great player, but he's probably not quite ready yet. Um, and so that kind of, you know, in the past, you may take 15 to 20 high school kids in a class. And now you're maybe taking only five or 10 in a class. So and I think that. You know, so for high school student athletes, I mean, if, if those guys got offers, you know, for me, you know, in the recruits playbook, I talk about trying to lock down your recruiting um, if you're a high school kid in the summer before you get into the fall, because, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just such a uh, unknown space. But in terms of transferring to what I always tell kids is they need to, to really evaluate why they're looking to transfer, you know, um, what or is it because what what reason are you looking to transfer? Oh, the coaches don't like me. If it's some kind of lame reason or you're just feeling a little uncomfortable, then I always encourage – like I had a kid that uh, actually is a cousin of mine, and he's playing at a, at a Power 5 school. He was he called me and said, hey, I'm looking to transfer, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, why are you looking to transfer? It was like, man, I you know, the coaches, uh, they're not treating me right, blah, blah, blah. I said, well, have you talked to them? Have you went in their office? No. I'm like, well, freaking hey, man. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, said, I said, dude, well, go go in there, have the conversation, explain to him how you feel and ask him what's going on and this, this, and the third. He said he went and did that. He said, coach, you know what? You're right. And they explained everything to me, and I'm, and I'm good. I'm like, well, dude, you would have hopped in the transfer portal and off of uh, for the wrong reasons. So sometimes you just really have to evaluate why you're wanting to get in the portal, right? Just because it's the easiest thing to do doesn't necessarily mean it's the, the best thing or the right thing to do, right? So you just got to really evaluate that. I think there are certain circumstances where kids may need to hop in a portal where it's beneficial. Um, but it's probably, I mean, I would be willing to bet more times than not that 
the, the kids hopping the portal is probably for the wrong reasons. And sometimes kids need to stay where they are to continue to grow and develop because sometimes you're just not quite ready to play yet either. And your body's still growing and, and maturing. So um, I, I try to always encourage kids to hang in there um, and communicate with coaches and keep working. Well, it's like what you talked about earlier, Larry, when you said that, um, you know, there's this kind of secondary goal behind going and talking to your counselor every year. And it's that you need to be able to talk to other adults and have conversations with them and get comfortable with that because of everything down the line. And that, you know, that story of your cousin at Transfer Portal and having a conversation with your coaches, like you need to be able to have the skills to do that. And starting your freshman year of high school makes a ton of sense with it. Um so I, I, I wanted to just kind of give you one last chance here. I don't know if there's anything maybe we missed or anything that uh, you were hoping to hit on or shout outs or <laughs> whatever it might be and just kind of hand the mic over to you one more time. Well, uh, Mike, uh, Max, I, I really appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for, for having me on today. Um, I just, you know, I'm so thankful for the, the opportunity that I that I have, the platform and just being able to help young men. Uh, I mean, I think that's, that's where it is. And uh, I think, man, um, my, my wife has been such a, my wife and my family has been so supportive of me and I'm just thankful, man. And I'm just hoping that hopefully this story just inspires other people to, to continue to push forward and overcome situations and circumstances and, and be the best uh, version of yourself possible. So um, thank you for having me on, man. And, uh, and I'm just thankful. Yeah, I appreciate it. And I, I, like I said, I think, I think this book is super helpful. I think it's something that people could benefit from. You mentioned, you know, if it only helped two or three kids, that'd be amazing. But I think it should definitely help more than that. I feel like it's something that a, a booster club for different, you know, high school teams could put together and, and, and get kind of, you know, class set, so to speak, for their programs and just have them available because I think it's so valuable. And especially if you can have a kid read it as a freshman and, and, and what that can do from over the course of his four years in high school is is just awesome. So um, appreciate you and, and good luck to the University of Houston and, and you as you continue your coaching path, man. Thank you. Thank you so much, Max. Take care, man. Good luck to the University of Houston football team as it continues its crazy 2022 season. And the best of luck to Larry in this journey impacting young people. If you aren't signed up for the weekly newsletter or if you haven't picked up some High School Coaches Club stickers, you should definitely do so. Head on over to highschoolcoachesclub.com to get started. Don't forget to leave a rating or a review if you're listening to Apple Podcasts. And hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening. Most importantly, if you found any value at all from this episode or any previous episode, please share this on social media via email to your fellow coaches or through the old fashioned word of mouth. Doesn't matter how you do it. Just find a way to bring a few more listeners in who might benefit. That's how we all get better. And that's how we grow the club. Huge fist bump to Coach Hart for jumping on the call with me. Thanks again to Netting Pros for sponsoring the episode and to you for clicking that play button. If you have any recommendations for people who should be guests on the show, be sure to reach out to me, even if that recommendation is you. Follow the club on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at HS Coaches Club. You can follow me on Twitter at Mr. Max Price and can reach me via email, max at highschoolcoachesclub.com. All right, that's it. That's all I've got. You're awesome. You matter. Thanks for all you do. And as Coach Lee would say, loving you.